What's going on, millionaires? You're listening to the Million Dollar Mind podcast, episode 162 on making room for your own success. Now we have our guest of the hour, Coach Bonnie is in the building. I'm super excited to have this, this conversation. And for those of you who are not familiar with who Coach Bonnie is and, and you know why she is on the show, you are soon going to you know understand why she is a great person to have you know joining us this Saturday, right? So Coach Bonnie is a life coach, a course creator, and a fitness enthusiast and mompreneur. And, and I do want to start off with that before we really kick off uh the episode first i'm super excited to have this this uh this conversation bonnie and um really excited to dive into today's content but i do want to you know start off and, and kind of kick things off with um telling people a little bit more about you know the importance of you know balancing mom life and, and being an entrepreneur especially in today's you know time in this day and age where you know, women are, you know, now stepping into entrepreneurship and, and being, you know, CEOs now, but still having that natural nurturing, you know, uh, characteristic about being a woman and being a mom. It, it has to be, I'm sure there has to be some type of balance. And as a man, I can't speak on that. So I definitely would love for you to, you know, kind of touch on, you know, that balancing act that that you play every single day of being a mom and the entrepreneur. Woo. I hope definitely squeeze that in there. I have so many nuggets for you guys, for your audience today. Um, so first of all, let me just say what's up to all the millionaires out there. Uh, as he said, my name is Siobhan Bonnie Patterson, but my friends call me Bonnie or I'm known as Coach Bonds. As he mentioned, I am a personal development coach and it's my firm belief that personal development fitness should be a foundation in there. I can't think of one successful person or highly successful person who has not mastered uh, their body, their physical wants and their physical needs and learning to get their body in check. And mm -hmm. so in, in all of my coaching, whether you're a life coaching client, whether you're a mindset coaching client, somewhere in your programming is going to be the importance of health. So just to give you an idea today, what you're going to get or what you're going to hear is a lot about how everything is happening to you or everything is happening for you, not to you. That was the biggest lesson that I learned in my life. Um, everything that was meant to break me, everything that was a perceived obstacle and setback was literally building me up for everything that I'm doing today and everything that is to come. Uh, I'm going to talk a little bit about how your childhood programming uh, created by your subconscious is going to forecast your adult mentality and how regardless of the deck of cards that life has given you, you can always put some of those bad boys down and pick up some more. And I think a lot of people don't realize that. So make sure that you are locked in with us on the Million Dollar Mind podcast. And um, if you want, I can just get into the story if that's cool with you. That was, that was awesome. I, and I love, you, you know, you are uh, amazing for that because I can tell you did a lot of preparation. You did, you transitioned into the credibility piece without me even have to re bring it up or reintroduce it. So I just want to show my appreciation uh, for you for just, you know, killing that, that introduction. You really killed that. So uh, we, we can get, you know, right into it. And before that, I do want to, you know, welcome welcome back our millionaires who are joining us and welcome our millionaires who are joining us for the first time this is the million dollar mind podcast the number one passion attraction podcast in the world thanks to each and every single one of you who join us week in week out every monday every friday and in some occasional bonuses throughout the week this is the only place 
for tips and tricks on living a more abundant and passionate life while making some money and living your dreams at the same time, right? So um, yeah, so Bonnie, let's start off with your story, right? Let, what events kind of molded you into the person that is, is joining us today? All right, what's up, millionaire? So I know I shared this once, maybe even twice, but here's the third time. So I'm really starting to lose faith in business cards. And the reason why is because every time I get about 500 business cards, I use about 100, 150, and my business has changed, whether the website has changed or just things are just changing, especially when you're a new entrepreneur. You know, I've been in entrepreneurship just under five years. So, you know, things are still changing. You're optimizing, you're getting new websites, getting new Instagram accounts, and your business card really expires. So what I learned and what I love now is Popple, right? I have a Popple card right here in my pocket. And what I love about it is it's a physical card that I can put my logo on, even has a QR code that I can scan or hold up to somebody's phone. And they have a virtual business card where I can update my information as much as I need to. I can share as much information as I want to from my phone number, social media pages, the whole nine. And I can also disable sharing that information if I want to as well. I definitely want you guys to consider Popple because as your business is changing, why spend so much money on these paper business cards when most of the times people throw them away and it's expired because you changed your business. So there's also going to be a link at the bottom of this video for you to download Popple, get your business card, or if I hold it up close enough, you might be able to scan that QR code. That's that's such a great question, and I'm glad that you asked it. Um, I'm actually a member of my local Toastmasters club, and we did a roast last week. And one of the roasts on me was, first of all, they were like, why would y'all pick Bonnie? Like, she's a single mom. She's an entrepreneur. Like, what are you, you going to say about Bonnie? And the one thing that they came at me with was, oh, she's a life coach. She's 35. Um, but everyone knows I had my first kid at 21. Or, sorry, I had my first kid at 14. My oldest son will be 21 at the end of this month. Um, we've survived and we are now thriving. Like we've been through the teen parenthood. Um, I was a juvenile delinquent. I was in drug sales and drug use, uh, in a domestic violently relationship from the time I was 14 to about 21. And there's just so much more. So I, there's, I'm trying to pick the best stories. And so just hang on with me, guys. I promise you, I'm going to set the tone so that you understand where I'm going with this. But I really wanted to explain uh, some of my backstory because I know a lot of mothers. I know a lot of people will probably be, be able to relate with certain parts of the story. So I wanted to make sure that I got the ones that would really resonate. And so growing up, uh, I didn't have family. Like I had family, but we were all very distant and very in our own spaces. Nobody was cheering me on. Nobody told me, you know, anything positive. Um, all of that came from outside of the home. Um, my mom was in and out of the hospital as a child and she almost lost her life. And so I spent time living with her friends who didn't really like me. I spent time kind of bouncing around as we were figuring out what the heck was going to, you know, is she going to die? Is she going to make it? That sort of thing. And after she did survive, thank God, uh, she mentally checked out. So even though she was there in the home, she was not there like mentally present at all whatsoever. And without having a father in the home, you guys know the story. So I was kind of left to, to find everything out on my own. I had, a I had an older sister, but we didn't get along at all. And so the most formative years of my life, I just kind of figured out from myself and, and looked at the examples of people in my family that were in and out of jail, doing drugs, prostituting for drugs. I had no idea what to make of this. And when you're a child, your subconscious brain, it, even as an adult, your subconscious brain does not 
understand context. It just sees what it sees. So if it sees mother is not here, if it sees father is not here, if it sees mom works all of the time, yet we still don't have food to put on the table. If it sees all of these things, um, nobody pays attention to me. Nobody loves me enough to check on me. This is something that is ingrained in your head. So from a young age, even though no one said that, this is what my subconscious perceived. And so add on top of that, I grew up in a predominantly white neighborhood. My grandmother loved moving into all white neighborhoods and making us the only black family. And I see why she did that, but it just, it didn't, you know, I didn't have anyone to identify with. And on top right. of that, with, with my family that did live in black neighborhoods, I was called, oh, you know, Bonnie's white. And with my white friends, they'd be like, Bonnie, why do you do that? that you know, like I just, I had a hard time understanding who I was on top of not getting any sort of validation from my family. And so, if there was one good thing, though, that they ingrained in my head was that you being the only black kid, everyone's going to expect you to be the worst. So you need to be the absolute best. So mm. I excelled as best as I could with everything and gifted classes, honor roll, all that stuff. But by the time I got to middle school, I saw that no matter how hard I worked, I still wouldn't get their approval. No matter how hard I worked, nobody was paying me any attention. So with that, um, and with no one telling me right from wrong, basically, I kind of, I, I slipped into the, the crazy world with girls getting in and out of cars, hanging out with older people. I always looked grown. So I was always hanging out with grownups. Um, and by the eighth grade, I was pregnant. I had already been arrested and in juvenile, I had been on house arrest. I had done all of that. And by the time I went into my eighth grade year, that summer I was pregnant mm. and that's a whole another story in itself. Like when I write my book, I'll, I'll elaborate on that. But fast forward to the ninth grade. Now I'm going into high school, the only girl with a baby in my city. And I met this gang banging, crack dealing, very broken young man who took liking to me and convinced me that no one would want me because I'm 14 with a kid and that I was, you know, this is the best I would get. And I kind of went along with it. Cause again, remember nobody instilled that in me that I was worth anything. Right. And then the circumstances of my pregnancy, which weren't consensual, that really ingrained on me. Like you're not, mm -hmm. you're just, you're just, you're just good for this. And so by the time I realized, you know, this man is not getting any better. He's getting more controlling, more abusive, taking my money away, taking my rights away from me, cutting me off from all of my family. It escalated to the point where he had a gun to my head multiple times when I would say it's time for me to leave while I'd have my son in my hands. And mm. I think the breaking point of me realizing like, yo, what is my life? was when he dropped me on my face in the tile on my mom's kitchen floor. And it was literally like a wake up call. This is seven years into the relationship. I was about 21 when that happened. And I was like, this is not going to get any better. This is not like you have to, you have to get out. Mm -hmm. And so from all that, just to recap, like I said, you, you, everything that you experience is processed. What your brain does is it generalizes it or it adds to an old belief system, or if there's enough consistent information to reinforce a certain belief, or if it's an impactful enough experience like being raped or being abused, you'll create a new belief system or a new neural pathway. And so your, the neural pathways that you're forming that, that, that are part of your subconscious programming, these are your belief systems. And this develops the mindset in which you see life, the filter that you have and how you perceive life, your lens, your mindset, whatever you want to call it. And so I learned 
you don't get to do what you want or you don't get to have what you want because I was in abuse. Um, I learned you don't get, to, you don't deserve to be happy because there were rarely ever any like happy moments in my childhood or in my teenage years. I learned no respectable man is going to want you. Um, the same man that did all that to me used to tell me, you're just going to be a $2 an hour ecstasy addicted server the rest of your life because he got me addicted to ecstasy in my teen years. Um, I learned work hard, you know, because everyone thinks that you're trash, but it's still not going to pay off anyways. Oh, and the one thing that I did love doing, singing and, and speaking, um, I was always told, you talk too much, Bonnie, and also you can't sing. And so I didn't really have too much, but I was like, I didn't really think very much of myself. I had little confidence, little self-worth, didn't value myself, didn't value my body. And the pivotal moment where I finally like woke up again and realized like, you've got to really, it's not enough just to leave that abusive relationship. You really got to, Bonnie, like everything that you have gone through, there's a reason for it. And I need you to understand what it is. And in 2008, I woke up at 3 a.m. And I wasn't sure if God wanted me to pray or what. So I just went back to sleep. And then the very next hour, someone called me and told me one of my best friends committed suicide. And I got to the scene of the crime in time just to see the police or the fire department washing his brains off of his car. And for me, that was like the biggest wake up call of all, because I thought about how young we were. We were only 20 years old and I knew the pain. We both had similar stories. And I remember I was like, God, I, I don't want anybody else's mother, friends. I don't want anyone else to go through that. So if I can use his story, if I can use my story, like just use it because I don't want anyone to go through that pain. And then from there, my life started to take a, a serious turn. I, I recommitted my life to Christ. I, I went to school for ministry. I was like, I'm going to change the world for Jesus. <laughs> like I was, I was heavily into youth ministry. I was leading missions trips. I was doing all the stuff, right? Trying to, and now with retrospect, I realized what I was doing. I was trying to earn God's love. I was trying to earn people's approval. Like, look, she's not a little girl that, you know, just, you know, whatever people thought of me, she's not just the $2 an hour waitress. She's not just the girl that got pregnant early. I was trying so hard to still prove who I was and prove that I was valuable. Mm -hmm. And it would take me my entire twenties to realize that that's what I was doing. And so wow. if you're still in your twenties or if you're still learning who you are, give yourself some time, please don't beat yourself up because you don't know um, who you are just yet. You're still, every lesson that you're learning is a part of your story. And so there's so much more to that. And I don't want to go down that, like there's so much more, but eventually um, after I realized that another pivotal moment, there we go. I went to school for ministry and I'm a single mom with two kids from two different men. And I didn't get hired, which was weird to me. Cause I'm like, I have an amazing story. I have a degree. I've been serving on ministry for years throughout my whole 20s. I devoted my life to the ministry. Why won't people accept me? Why won't people still approve of me? And that was like the, the straw that broke the camel's back. I, I gave up on God. I gave up on ministry. I gave, I was like, dude, I guess I really am not worth anything. And I went, it was like a, a regression back to the old self again, downward spiral. Mm -hmm. All of my subconscious beliefs started bubbling back up. Like, see, you are stuck serving. You are just going to be a server the rest of your life. See, nobody really does want you. See, like you did all this stuff and, and look where you are. You're still, you're still waiting tables, single mom with your two kids. Cool. You got a degree. Now you're $80,000 in student loan debt and nobody wants to hire you and you don't have any skills. 
And I just remember thinking like, wow, college is hard. Parenting is hard. Single parenting is hard. Full-time work is hard. Everything just started to like, I was, you know, the people that are always so strong for so long. I felt like that person that had been so strong Mm -hmm. for so long that I just, I freaking snapped and went into a deep state of depression where I cut off everybody. I cut off church. I cut off everyone and was like, you know what? I'll just, I'll just settle. I'll just, I know I have this gift to speak. I know I went to school for ministry. So I know how to use analogies. I know how to storytell. I know, but I guess it's not good enough. So I guess I'll just, I'll just keep waiting tables and you know, whatever happens happens. And um, yeah, cool. And I remember it was in my deepest years of depression. It lasted like two solid years where I used to pray to God that he would just take my life because I was such a horrible excuse for a mom. And the more I said those prayers, I was like, dude, there's got to be a different way. Like I messed up somewhere. Like I know God has a calling on my life. I might've missed the turn. Let's rewind that. Let's try Let's try again. And I didn't really want to go into church again because I was very embarrassed. I felt like a failure, but I knew that I needed a win. I needed some kind of light because at this point I could not see the light at the end of the tunnel anymore. And I was like, you know what? let's, let's, uh, let's, let's go, let, let's go back to the gym. You know, let's try exercising something because I was at the point now where I had to be high and drunk every single day to function because I was so depressed and so just self-pitying victim mentality. Just, oh my God, the whole world is against me. Oh my God, I can't win for anything. And if you don't check those thoughts at the door, your subconscious over time will start to believe that it is true, even mm-hmm. though it's not. And so I knew that I couldn't just sit in my depression and in my thoughts, just talking myself down every day, uh, downing alcohol before I go into work, walking around with a pen, having to literally be high to get through the shift, because if not, I would have a meltdown and start crying in front of people. I needed a win. And so I hired my third fitness coach and got into shape. I slowly started cutting back on my drinking. I slowly started cutting back on the smoking, started to see the light at the end of the tunnel again, started getting confident now, which I had never had. Started to get some, some momentum going, which is what a lot of people don't realize is what you need. You don't necessarily need, the, the motivation is great, but you need the momentum, you need the movement. And so I went from going from depression and breakdowns at work um, to being employee of the month at the same job where I was always drunk and high. I started, I got my name on a parking spot in the lot, like working out literally changed the, the momentum. It changed the energetics of how I was feeling because exercise is nature's natural antidepressant, go figure. So it really played a huge part in my life. Um, I got promoted at the job. I got benefits. So now I'm confident. I'm in shape. I'm making great money. And now that my head is out of the freaking dark hole that it was now, now I went back to the drawing board and I was like, all right, God, I know you didn't allow me to survive all of that just to stay here. Like there's nothing wrong with this occupation. I know people that, especially here in Florida, you can make great money out here uh, in the theme parks area serving. But I'm like, I know that this is not what you have for me. I'm ready to try this again. What do you, what do you, what do you want me to do? And so then I started reverse engineering my life. It's like, I got these gifts. I can teach, I can communicate. I know how to make complex concepts uh, simple for people to understand. I have an amazing story. So if I'm not going to preach, I can speak. I can be, I can be a motivational speaker. And I was like, well, who's going to invite you to speak bonds. <laughs> um, in fact, like the local mentoring places here in Orlando would hear my story and they'd be like, great. So what are you doing now? And then I was still serving. And they're like, oh yeah, no, 
They're like, you need to come back with like a better story. And I was like, okay, back to the drawing board. Um, who would invite me? Who, do, who, who gets invited to speak places? Experts. Okay. I'm like, what am I an expert in? I'm like overcoming obstacles. I'm like, yeah, that's cute, but you have to keep going, Bonnie. What are you an expert in? And so I just kept thinking that, that, that kept me stuck for so long. And I know a lot of people get in that place where they're like, I know I'm meant for more. I know I want to do more, but like, what is more? What is it, God? Right. And I just, I'm telling you guys this because keep going, keep going. Even if you don't know what it is, keep going. And because what you're looking for, you'll always find. And so I started setting my eyes on something that would help develop my, my gifts to speak. And the first person thanks to the algorithm and the, you know, big brother probably listening to me talk, um, John Maxwell popped up on my phone one day for a coaching certificate. And I was like, I love John Maxwell. I read a bunch of his books during my school and ministry school. I was like, I could do that. Mm -hmm. And then it said $10,000. And at that time, you might as well said a million dollars. My mind was like, what? I'll never have $10,000 at one time. So (laughs) then I started, again, algorithm helped me out. It's like, you seem to be into fitness. You seem to be into health. You like motivational posts. Do you want to be a life coach or a health coach? And I was like, I, yeah, that, that makes sense. So I got those certifications and because everyone saw me in ministry, everyone saw me being a single mom and surviving all of this stuff, the credibility was already there. People trusted mm-hmm. me as a life coach because they watched me in my fitness and my depression journey um, come out of that. It wasn't very hard for me to get fitness clients either. And so that came next. The algorithm was like, oh, you're also into fitness. Do you want to be a personal trainer? And I'm like, I think I do. I got certified in that. And that was the ticket for me. That was my way to get out of serving. And I just stepped back and I'm like, I didn't even really know what that was going to look like, but I set my intentions. Um, I I said, 2020 would be the last year that I served. And in 2020, after 15 years of being in the industry, I now, I was a life coach on the side. I was working seven days a week, by the way. So for anybody, I want to, I want to plug that real quick because social media and people get on my nerves with this, like, Mm -hmm. oh, I, you know, I, I quit my job and now I'm full-time entrepreneur We're making six figures a month. Slow your roll. Okay. I was still waiting tables at the gym, working doubles every weekend from Friday to Sunday. I'd work no less than 12 to 15 hours a day. Then Monday through Friday, I was at the gym. Now I've transitioned to the gym and I was still training clients on the side, driving to them and still life coaching on the side. So I had zero days off for the first year or two when I decided that I was going to go into coaching and Thanks to COVID, I I did quit my job in 2020. Yay. And then two months later, COVID's like, oh, by the way, you're going to quit your gym job too. And you're going to go full-time online. And I was like, okay, God, I guess we're doing this. All right. Um, So I hired after a few months of trying that, trying the whole, like, I'm going to be an online coach on my own without any background in business, understanding of money, a poverty mindset, scarcity mindset, still lacking confidence. I got body confidence now, but still lacking confidence in myself. Mm -hmm. Uh, I realized that I could not do that. So I hired my first business coach. Um, She, if also, if you guys are looking to hire a coach, I highly recommend that you look into who it is and don't just don't do the bright, shiny object thing, because that's exactly what I did for the first two coaches. Mm -hmm. The first coach I hired, she was really buff and I didn't know much about her, but she, at the time she was one of the only online fitness business coaches. So I went with her and not to like shit on anybody's program, but it was just sales based. It was like, here, say this, do this. Here's a DM script here. Do this here, do this. Boom. You'll be at six figures. No time. And for someone like me with, you guys heard my story and I left out so much, none of that clicked to me. 
I was mm-hmm. like, I can't just ask people for that much money for, I can't just, I just, like, I, it did not work. I didn't understand the psychology of sales and I didn't have confidence. And those are two very vital things that you need in the mm-hmm. sales world. And so I tried again, I tried another coach and he was pretty cool. Like I, I was like, wow, this dude knows mindset. I, I, I vibe with him. And then I get into his program because of him and it's not one-on-one, which is okay. It was group coaching, whatever. But everyone in his space was already making six figures. They were executives. They were really already established people looking to transition into the coaching space. And so I did not feel comfortable sharing my jacked up mindset and they're all mastering the, oh, I just did this, I just did that. And I was nowhere near on their level. That was not a good fit. So again, if you're looking for a coach, make sure that their ideal client and that their niche matches you, because if not, you're going to feel like you are so behind everybody and you're not going to be able to get that progress that you would need. It's not going to be a good fit. And so he would be talking mindset with people who had already achieved success not someone who was a walking statistic, not someone who was filled with limiting beliefs. And like I said, poverty, scarcity, mindset, imposter syndrome, all of that. They didn't address any of that because his clients were far beyond me. And so when you're doing like mindset work, it really depends on the level of consciousness of the client and of the community. So you do want to surround yourself with people doing better than you. But when it comes to reprogramming your mindset, we learn by, I think I said this earlier, intensity or by repetition. And so that's why for some people, affirmations don't work. I'm a, I'm, an, uh, I'm a proponent of affirmations, but let me clarify what I mean by that. Um, they, they won't work when someone who's never been successful, never had wealthy people around them, um, tell you that you can make five figures a month like this. I'm not, I'm going to doubt it. So I'm not going to try. I remember during the 2020, when all the coaches were just spamming everybody's inboxes, I'd have people like, Bonnie, you're going to make 10, 10 K next month, claim it, claim it. And again, my brain was like 10 K what? Like, I just, I just, I'll be happy with two K what? Like, and so my brain is like, no, you're not. No, you're not. So when you're doing your affirmations, like, um, I think they need to be very personalized to who you want to become, not what someone else wants you to become. And then they also need to be tempered. Um, people that require a lot of work may require a little bit more time to get that work in. And I needed a lot of work on my mindset. So they needed to, to kind of temper me and nobody did that. It's the same thing with weight loss clients. Before you can tell someone like, you know, you're going to lose a hundred pounds, let them lose like five or 10 pounds so that their mind can start to get used to success. Because if not, they will shoot for the stars and on their first try, if they don't hit it, they'll get discouraged. And so that's something that's very important. Mindset work is not an overnight thing, um, intensity or repetition. And Mm -hmm. so, um, so a good, I already mentioned that the, the people telling me I was going to make 10 K and back then my brain was just not ready for it. Whereas now if you say, I'm like, Oh, that's like, duh. Now, now we're higher, but it took a long time to get there. Um, so yes, surround yourself with people that are doing better than you, but also make sure that you have a system and that you are actively working to decondition yourself. That is one of the biggest things that I teach my clients is we are needing to unlearn. We are needing to decondition. We are needing to reprogram and recondition ourselves for the version of us that we want to be because society has done a piss poor job of instilling, especially in minorities, especially in female minorities, their worth and their ability to create more from what they came from. So I think that... <laughs> That's the background. Um, that and and that is um that's a lot to unpack, Bonnie. And um, 
one, I, I got to show my appreciation for you just sharing such a, a vulnerable, you know, moment in your life to, to really help us understand, you know, not only the things that you've been through, but exactly what you said as far as, um, you know, things not happening to you, but happening for you. And, and it really, you know, it really tightens that point. It drives that point home that all of these things happen for you to learn and grow from them instead of happening to you to, you know, continue to, you know, uh, put your head into a hole and, and just say, Hey, th this is, this, I'm just supposed to be in this position, right? I'm supposed to accept these, these things. And, um, the, of course, throughout, you said up until 21 is when you had that first pivotal moment, uh, to, to step out of that toxic relationship that you were in and all the way, I'm just thinking from, from, all this time, 21 years of, you know, the limiting beliefs and the telling yourself you can't, telling yourself you're not good enough and all of these things, right? What, what do you think was the first step, you know, after that moment? What was the first step for you rewriting these limiting beliefs, you know, um, to just kind of start, at least it, it, you didn't have to have it figured out, but at least to just start that process of rewriting your mind and, and taking back control of over your mind and and how you wanted to see yourself in a different light so i'll start from where i'm at now more so because back then i didn't even i just i just hopped back on the train i feel like mm -hmm. like he had me dropping out of high school so for that i was like you know what get back into college get your degree so i wasn't even thinking on that level so much but i'll start from being an entrepreneur what helped me um what was the first step and it was <sighs> dreaming again mm. because when you're a kid you are like you have limitless potential to imagine to dream big and I like to use this analogy this is a little bit of shadow work for you guys which I also do with my clients because I think it's really important when you're a kid you're like your personality is like a huge castle right it's got all these rooms and each room is filled with amazing different aspects of you good and bad the talkative one the class clown, the messy one, the clean one, the hyper one, the, the, the sad one, all these different aspects of your personality are there when you're a kid and all of the doors are open and you run back and forth through all of them without a care. You don't, you, this is just who you are. But then what happens is life comes and people come and look in one of your rooms and they're like, no, that's not acceptable. Like me as a tomboy, no boys won't like you if you're like that. So I close that door. Mm -hmm. Oh, well, um, you know, you're not, you're not black enough. So then I decided I wasn't accepted by my people, which made me feel really alone. I closed that mm -hmm. door. Oh, you're also Bonnie. You're, you're like, you just start closing pieces of you that were really cool. Like I liked all kinds of music and I was told, oh, you can't be black if you like that kind of music. So I was like, okay, just kidding. I don't like that music. And before you know it, you've allowed everyone to come into your personality and shut you down. And now you think you're this one bedroom fixer up or duplex when you're really a whole ass castle. Mm -hmm. and through that, you stop dreaming. And through that, all of those, each room has like a, a crazy idea that, you know, people tell you that's crazy. But as an entrepreneur, we know that like, yo, that's our job is to come up with ideas that nobody's thinking of and make it happen. But when, when you let life do that to you, now you forgot that you even had that in you. And so the first step for me was, was dreaming again and remembering what did little Bonnie like to do? And I started doing little things like that, it re like really connecting to you is what I know that mindset work can be very masculine and that it's very like in your head. But for me also, mindset work has a lot to do with connecting with who I am as a person, not who I got conditioned to become over all of the trauma. And so little things like 
what did little Bonnie like to do when she was younger? I'm like, well, I loved going to the beach or I loved doing this. So I started doing things that I enjoyed doing again, because when you are doing something that you enjoy doing, now your creative, now your creativity can flow. But when you're stuck at a job that you hate, like I was serving because I knew I was meant for more, but I was so miserable. I was one of, like, I was a great server as far as efficiency, but there were plenty of times I did not have the best attitude. Like people come in wanting to joke and have a good time. And I was just like, okay, yep, I'll get your, like, I was just not there because I checked right. out and wanted more. And I found, I was like, okay, so I'm not ready to leave the job yet. I don't have the money to do this. I don't know how to start a business little things like taking myself to the beach. It sounds so basic, but I did. And I would get out there. This also has to do with connecting with nature and just being rooted to the earth. And so me getting out of nature again, creativity would just start flowing and I'd start coming up with ideas. And again, you'll always look, you always find what you're looking for. So all these ideas are flowing. I'm typing them on my, my tablet, writing them down and manifestation and law of attraction really helped me because I kept focusing on these things. And next thing I, like I said, with the certifications, they just started finding their way to me. And so you may, you don't have to have it all figured out, but if you have no idea where you're at or where you want to go, take some time to do something that you actually enjoy because the majority of your day is spent doing something you don't enjoy. Mm -hmm. That's a, that's a nugget right there. That is a, a one heck of a nugget. And before I get into, um, my, my next question, I you said, you said something that speaks to me a lot, which is that connectivity with nature, because I, I like, I truly believe that the, our, like the easiest and the most efficient for us are uh, uh, efficient way for us to have those conversations, those necessary conversations with God is usually through people and God's creations and, and people are God's creation, but so is nature. And we also we oftentimes forget about nature being a creation of God. And when when you said that you get a lot of these creative ideas from being in nature, it just makes so much more sense. And, and you even used another analogy that I love as well, which was the the one bed fixer upper duplex. And, and being in real estate, yep. I, I understand exactly you know what that what that looks like because people who are getting into real estate for the first time they may see that one bedroom fixer upper duplex and. Yeah, in the end, in the long term, it does turn into cash flow, yeah. but you don't see that cash flow yet because you, you, you see the progress, the all the work that it needs. And sometimes we focus on all the work that we need yeah. that it's hard for us to see that end in mind. So going back to that castle and just knowing, hey, I got a whole bunch of ideas, but even though I don't see the cash flow, I still see the end in mind. I see the destinations. I see the creations that I want to create in the long run. So I just wanted to just touch on that because those were two things that stuck out to me, two analogies that I think went over some people's heads. And, and, and we needed to bring that one back. But um, another thing you brought up earlier in your introduction, Bonnie, was more so different pieces about how representation matters. And I, I definitely relate to you as far as, you know, uh, transitioning into communities um, to where, you know, you're, you're with a lot of people that don't look like you. And in middle school, I was in a um, so kindergarten, the first grade, I went from a, a, a public school in the middle of my, my neighborhood where everybody looked like me. And then I transitioned to a charter school where everybody still kind of looked and related to me, but it was much more diverse. So I didn't really feel like I stood out. Right. I, but it was it was a, it was very nurturing, very welcoming, probably the best school experience I ever had. And then in high school, I transitioned into a majority white high school for basketball. And I was always the kid that was very smart, but being the black kid that goes to the white school for basketball, naturally you can understand, you know, where these 
uh, where these stereotypes come to come into play. And I found myself in a situation like you shared earlier, just, you know, and just kind of talking on our stories, it reminds me of a quote by James, James Baldwin saying that being African-American is like being uh, African without recollection and yeah. American without respect. And Ooh. it's like you, you yeah. go back and forth between, okay, these people think I'm a game because I'm this black kid playing basketball. They don't really think I'm smart versus the black kids. Like you go to a white school, you forget, forget forgot about where you come from. Right. So it's like, you always teeter totter in between who you can identify with. And, and I'm going down this rabbit hole to ask you more. So being in these environments, did you find any creative ways to still find some representation even if you weren't the most represented in, in, in that space? As a child, honestly, I'm in the middle. I'm still healing. Like I work with a, 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 a mentor and a th- who's also a therapist. And there's so much from my childhood that I just did not, rec- like I didn't know happened because I suppressed it so much. But that question as far as an adult, um, being able to find representation in places where I was not represented, um, I decided that I would start making my own table. Mm. And if people aren't going to invite me there, then I will do that. Like when, when the people told me, you know, you can't speak because, you know, you're not already an established uh, doctor or lawyer. We want these kids, we want these black kids to see successful, you know, doctors and lawyers. And I was like, well, everybody's not going to college. So that started to ruminate in me and it gave me an idea because again that's what entrepreneurs do I saw a problem I saw that they only were showing the the kid at least here in Orlando you only wanted to show them that the only type of successful black person you can become is a doctor and a lawyer and I'm like I don't want to work on bodies I left that out I went to nursing school and came out real quick I was like god this ain't for me (laughs) um I don't want to go to school for law my sister's a lawyer I would never trade would not trade jobs with her for I don't care how much money you pay me So I was like, I've got to show them that because I did drop out, but I got my high school diploma. I did go to college, but that still wasn't good enough for them. And so I was like, how can I be someone that shows these kids that even if you do drop out, even if you have all these records, blah, 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 you get to create your destiny. You get to write your own story. And so that that's one of the premises of my of my business is that you get to live a life by design, not by default. And so you don't have to play by the rules if you know what outcome you want. And so I, I decided I'd quit playing by the rules. Even at Toastmasters, I go to a predominantly white male. Um, Winter Park is a very affluent little suburb in Orlando. And um, everybody in there, some of them are millionaires. Some of the, Everybody's a business owner. Everybody has been paid to speak more than I have yet. And so I feel very small in there. And the way that I made myself feel confident, one of my first speeches, I went in there and I wrote a whole speech about how old white men make me feel uncomfortable because of the jobs I've had and how they made me feel like nothing. And <laughs> I don't know what got into me or why I felt the need to do that, but I earned their respect. Like I had mm-hmm. so many men come up to me afterwards and they're like, I'm so sorry you had to deal with that, Bonnie. And I'm like, it's all good. Like I'm here with you guys now and I'm learning from you. I don't hate every white man. I don't think that that's beneficial to anyone. But I started making my own table, long story short. I realized that I was not, I don't want to fit in at people's table. If you want to invite me because you see my worth, perfect. But I'm done trying to be what I need to be to sit at other people's tables. I tried that my whole life. It didn't work. And and, and that's the abundance mindset that it, you, you, it sounds like you're tra- you were transitioning into of just approaching it that way. And I think that we 
we we have this understanding of what an abundance mindset is, but it's little things like that that fly under the radar as a scarce mindset. And, and we really think that we have to find a group that we can belong to. And we we give we give man so much power. We we give man the power and we think that man's power is to give. And so we're always looking for people to give us, like, give me an opportunity, give me the, the seat at the table, give me this, give me that. When ultimately our power is to create. And so when you switch, when you switch gears and you understand, oh, my power is to create, I don't have to look at this person as the, the person that has to give me. I've, I got the power to just create my table at the, in the first place, like you just said. And so it's just the difference of understanding that. And um, as you're creating now this opportunity uh, of going into being a life coach and, and just a personal development coach um, in, in, in retrospect, what, what kind of support or resistance, you know, did you get when, when starting that journey and how were you able to kind of take that and, you know, use them as bricks to, you know, kind of, you know, still build up to the life coach that you are? So as far as support goes, um, remember in the beginning, I started with everything is happening for me, not to me. And mm-hmm. me being a little disconnected from my family already and just kind of being the black sheep, like Bonnie's just doing her own thing, kind of, I, I was blessed when I started becoming an entrepreneur because I didn't have to deal with the, oh, what will my family think? I was already like, listen, I done taught myself. I didn't like, so I didn't have that backlash. I did have, and this is so, oh, so important for people getting ready to transition. You can't take everybody with you. You can't be sitting around waiting for your friends to, I know that we're supposed to bring people up with us, but everybody didn't get to experience whatever you experience. Everyone's not going to have that uh, epiphany or spiritual awakening, whatever, at the same time. And so if you're relying on support from your friends and your family, especially if you just start your business, because let's be real, I'm just, just being real. So many people start businesses, start entrepreneurships, and then after the first six months or a year, if it's not popping off, they quit. So don't get mad at your family because they're not supporting you because they have Facebook and they see somebody, a new mompreneur every six weeks with Beachbody or whatever. They see a new person go to real estate school and decide they're going to sell houses until they don't. So they go back to what they're doing. So bottom line, the support that you're looking for, you literally have to be your own cheerleader in the beginning. You have to come out with it's just like sales. Like you need to be so confident that this is what I'm doing that eventually they get sold on it. You can't just get out the gate, changing your bio. Oh, look, I'm a life coach. Oh, look, I'm in real estate and expect everyone to be like, oh my gosh, she is. I'm going to, no, you got to earn that. You got to earn that. And you earn it by continue by, by saying, you know what? I'm dope as fuck. I don't care if you guys don't see it. And that's kind of, that's what I had to do in the beginning. When I first started my online uh, fitness coaching Also, that was a cop out for me because I wanted to be a life coach. I knew I wanted to be a female Tony Robbins. That's my goal. Like just no cap. Like I plan to replace Tony Robbins. We'll talk about that maybe another time. But Mm -hmm. um, the when I first started at the gym, I I'm a mom of two. I had a C-section, so I don't have a perfect body. I have I'm very strong. I understand how to work out. Uh, but unless I get some skin taken away, I'm not going to have that picture perfect, uh, IG fitness coach body. And so at the gym, I used to feel a little inadequate with the, all of the other really fit coaches, but I was like, I don't care. I was like, I'm Bonnie and I connect with people. I'm Bonnie and people love to hear what I have to say. I'm Bonnie and I can motivate people. So I'm great. I'm glad that you have your perfect fit body, but this is what I'm bringing to the table. And surprisingly, I ended up getting so many fitness clients in the gym because I didn't lead with, oh, look at my perfect body. I led with who I was. 
And that's mm-hmm. why I love that you you start your podcast with that. You don't necessarily have a say, this is what I'm saying. Or maybe it was on one of your reels. I think I was scrolling through your page and it was like, you're, you're not selling a product. And like, yes, you are here to sell a product, but like people need to be bought on you first. And if you're looking for support from your friends and your family to be sold on you, but you're not sold on you, don't be confused. Don't right. wonder why people aren't sold on you if you're not sold on you. Um, so that's as far as that, I, I think that was more uh, like the resistance. As far as support goes, I went looking for it. I realized mm-hmm. that my friends in the restaurant, they're all drinking and smoking and, and not saving their money. We go blow up all of our tip money every night across the street at Ale House. So I'm like, okay, these are not, we're not going anywhere with these friends. Love them. Where are people who can get me on track? So I started joining things like Winter Park Toastmasters, um, getting involved in business uh, mentorships. And, and mind you, um, I, I emptied out my bank account for mentors multiple times, multiple times. And so for people that are not willing, you know, that you need this, you know, that you need a mentor, you know, that you need support, you know, that you need a community, but you're going to allow your fear of money, which by the way, back to abundance mindset, that is like, it's always coming. It is always coming. There's more money out there than you even understand. And if you allow something like, well, this is all the money that I have, you're literally sending out to God or sending out to the universe, this doubt that I don't believe that you'll be able to provide more, which is just crazy because you're saying that you want to, to, to reach these levels, but you're afraid to release. One of the, my favorite paradigms is that you have to release to receive. And I always think of that little, the meme, maybe it's not a meme, let's try again. I don't know. It's a picture of a little girl with a little raggedy teddy bear and Jesus is Mm -hmm. behind her with a huge teddy bear. And some of us are holding on to these little dollars in our savings account because that's what society tells you. You have to be, you know, you got to have money saved away. And I I do believe in that, but I also know that entrepreneurship, greatness, all that stuff, it comes with risks. You don't get the reward if you don't take the risks. And so if you know that you need this, you need a coach, you need a mentor, you need a community, but you won't let go of your little couple thousand dollars so that you can actually like grow into the person you're supposed to be. Boo-boo, you can't get mad. I'm a single mom of two. And I emptied out my my bank account multiple times because I knew I was sold on me. I was sold on my calling. I was sold on, I'm going to do this. It's going to be rough. There's going to be months where I don't know. Again, everything happens for me. I went through so many times in my my single motherhood where the lights got cut off. I had two cars that were repossessed. It It was always something. It was literally always something. So that now as an entrepreneur, when I see my friends scrambling, like, oh my God, my income dropped this month. Oh my God. I'm like, it's gonna be okay. I'm like, this is, this is, this is what we call a wave. You ride it until, oh, and then it goes down a little bit and then you ride it and then it goes back up. I'm like, if you're not okay with that, then you're in the wrong game. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's like money is fake, but it isn't fake. Right. right. <laughs> it's like we, we give again, money, just as much power as we give man some time to give. And we think that money is the thing that you need to give when you create opportunities that bring you money, especially if you're staying true to yourself. And my, my question for you is, as we, as we talked about, you know, how open and how willing you are to invest in coaching, invest in these programs and these communities, which I love because community is another big part of success as well. You know, people, the, the most successful people realize they, they can't do it by themselves yeah. and it takes a village. And so you understanding that, why do you think that people are so willing to, you know, be quick to get a student loan and, and go to college and go into hundreds of thousands of dollars of debt in the college, but may not be so willing to take out a personal loan to pay for a $10,000 course or a $10,000 mentorship or even a $5,000 mentorship. Where do you think that, that, uh, that, that comes from of not being willing to do that? 
I would say 100% their subconscious programming and their conditioning, because this is what they set us up to do. This is the system that they set up for us. You go to college, know everybody ain't gonna make it in college. Oh, well, this is what we're doing. Um, and maybe at one point it was supposed to help us out. I, I really, I'm not gonna act like I know a whole bunch of, about that, but I know that it's not, that this is what they're taught, that this is what success looks like. And sometimes you have to get real about what success looks like for you. I could talk for days on that. That's a whole nother story, mm-hmm. but it's, it's more, it's, it's the, the programming that you're taught that that's what that's supposed to be. And then also, again, they're not sold on themselves because if you take out a loan from the government and you don't go to school for, or you don't get a job in what you went to school for, you can pull the, well, I went to college. I did it right. You can be a victim. You get to be a victim. Oh, oh, no, I went to college and it didn't work. <laughs> yes. And, and we all love that because now you get pity and now you get a free pass to not live up to your potential. Mm-hmm. Whereas on the other hand, if you do it on your own, um, people are going to be like, see, you should have went to college. And it's like, you have to know, you have to know that you know that you know that what you're doing is right. And again, one of the things that I teach women is how to get into alignment because most people are living completely out of alignment with why they're created. I believe that every single one of us has a divine purpose. I don't believe that anybody was put on this earth just to exist, but because, um, structures like religion or whatever you want to look at have conditioned so many of us to think it's wrong to want to be wealthy. That's a really big one. Growing up in church, me, it was hard for me to want to ask for a lot of money because I was conditioned to believe that, you know, only rich people are greedy and blah, 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 blah. Um, and that we all should live these meek, uh, humble lives. And that's, what's pleasing to God. And it's like, do you know how many people that God has blessed money is, 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 is neutral. Okay, if you are a shitty person, money is only going to make you more shitty. If you are a good person, you care about people, you want to help people, money is only going to enhance who you are. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that a lot of people understand that. A lot of people are afraid of success. You know how they say you're afraid of failure? I think so many people, and I've struggled with this, I was scared of success. I don't want to outshine my dad who didn't fulfill his dreams. I don't want to outshine my friends that were afraid to take the leaps that I did. I know, like, I, I'm still accepting and understanding this vision that ga- God gave me is bigger than anything that I could ever understand. And that is intimidating because then you start thinking about all your, your flaws. You start thinking about all the things you did wrong. For me, that's why I tell my whole story because ain't nobody finna pull no cards like, oh, she did it. No, I told it already. I did that. But some mm-hmm. people are so afraid to be exposed and be seen because they know that success means that they're going to have a spotlight on them. But if they go to college and they play by the rules, they can live under the radar. They don't have to be judged. They don't have to be criticized. They don't have to be vulnerable. They don't have to be challenged. It's easier. Just plain and simple. It's easier. Whereas with this, they know there's going to be the rejection of people not wanting to buy what you sell. They know there's going to be the, the, the you, you got to go deep. To be a successful entrepreneur, like you don't just get there by being good with money. I mean, maybe some people do, but the ones that I know, they got good with themselves. They had to understand who they were. They had to grow and evolve and develop into people because you will never get what you're not able to manage. And so if you're in a state in your life right now and you're like, God, why am I not leveling up? God, why are these doors and opportunities not opening up for me? And this was the song of my life for like ever. God, why is everything happening for everyone but me? And he's like, you're not ready for that. You want it and it's there for you, but you still have stuff to go through. And I would not have chosen any other path than everything that I've experienced. This entrepreneurial journey was insane. Like my, my whole story, I started, I used to start my podcast with this. I've changed it since, but I went from like being in the negatives in my business banking account 
because I still had so much scarcity mindset and I just couldn't manage money. Like I wanted those $10,000 a month, but I couldn't manage $1,000 in my bank account. So you see, there's a disconnect. That's how you're out of alignment. Like I say that I want this, but this is how I'm acting and this is how I'm behaving. And so it's no wonder life is chaotic. But I, one of the mentors speaking of community and support, one of the mentors in a huge coaching program I joined, there was like 500, almost maybe, I think they had like a thousand people when I left. He took me under his wing. He saw me and he's like, yo, let me, let me put you on to something. And so for a month, he, he had me working on my mindset like it was my job. I was up at 4 a.m. every single day doing um, my mindset work and then, you know, doing a whole bunch of other stuff for my business. And within 30 days of working with this man one-on-one, he did not have to do this. I went from zero, being in the negatives to my first 10K month. And that mm-hmm. stuck out to me. I was like, dude, that's when I realized like mindset is, this is not a joke. This is not a joke. You learn through intensity or repetition. It was intense that seeing that negatives, I was like, yo, something's got to change. And the repetition of me getting up every morning and working on my mindset, like it was my business and everything paid off. And to this day, when I notice a dip in income, when I notice something's not going right in my business, I'm like, what's going on up here, Bonds? Because your business is an extension of you. What's going on? Or when you reach new levels, there's more demanded of you. So it's not necessarily that something's wrong. It's that now you got to grow. And, and sometimes we fear that growth. So we want to just stay put. And then we want to complain mm-hmm. about life not getting better or we're not going <clears throat> more, but we're not, like, more is demanded of you when you want to receive more. Exactly. And that more, that growth means change has to happen. And we shy away from change. And you even mentioned that, uh, uh, you know, and, and I agree to it uh, to a certain extent too about the doors, you know, that, that people are like, why is this door not opening? And in most cases, it does mean that, you're not ready for it to be open, but it's also, you're not ready for that door to be open because believe it or not, there's always a door opening. It's just not the door you want it to be. Yeah. Open. Yeah. And as you were, as you were mentioning, you know, you know, things happening for you instead of to you, we got to understand that negative things that happen to us are also doors that are being open. And a lot of times we forget that opportunity is disguised as bad timing. It's disguised as, heartbreak is disguised as pain being uncomfortable all these things we have to go through these things literally go through that door to get to the next room that's where the door that you were looking for to open is at so you're never going to see it if you didn't go through that first door in the first place right and so switching gears just a little bit bonnie because we're talking about you know be what what a coach is and you know life coach this life coach that I think that sometimes that definition can get lost in, in interpretation as well. So just for all of our millionaires who are listening, help us better understand, you know, what is a life coach and, and why do we need more of them? That's a really good question. So I actually had to learn the difference between a mentor and a coach because I used to use them interchangeably. And mm-hmm. what I learned is that a mentor, some people said, oh, a mentor is free and, you know, a coach isn't. And I'm like, okay, you could use that. But at its core, Uh, For me, a mentor is someone who is going through a long journey with you. um, And so it's going to be all encompassing. Like I have a mentor right now who's just with me through this journey. He's like, you're going to get there. Um, And it's not a six month container or a three month container. He saw me and he took me under his wing. Um, A coach, on the other hand, is someone that you go to with a direct goal. Like if it's a fitness coach, I want to lose 30 pounds or I want to get jacked. Um, And if it's a life coach, uh, that's where the lines with the mentor and life coach can get blurred. Mm. A life coach and a mentor tells you what you need to hear. And a life coach asks you the questions that you need to ask yourself. 
And so the majority of my coaching is me asking the right questions that have them thinking because everything that they need is within them. Everything that I need is within me, but I need someone to pull that out of me. And having someone that can see you, that isn't your friend, that isn't your boss, that, that is impartial, that just wants to help you reach your goal, they're going to challenge you. They're going to call out things in you that you have been in denial or refusing to see or acknowledge. Um, I'm moving a little bit away from life coaching and more into mindset coaching with entrepreneurs because I'm seeing more and more how many people struggled with the kind of things that I did when I first started. But with my regular clients, like everyday people who don't want to become millionaires, but just simply need help getting out of their own way. I'm helping women leave abusive relationships. I'm helping women, like I'm helping one woman through a divorce right now. She was going to stay because her husband was a cop and she didn't want to get him in trouble. And because she couldn't tell anyone in her family what was going on because it would get him in trouble. She really did need some outside help to help her through this steps of what that's going to look like and tell her that she can create a life. She doesn't have to just settle. That's what I think a coach does. They see in you what you don't see in yourself. They see just like a basketball coach. Just like if you're into sports, you know how impactful a coach was for you during sports, especially as a teenager. When you look mm-hmm. at the high performers of the world, actors, um, again, athletes, anyone, they have coaches. And so it's so funny to me when people are like, oh, a coach is a waste of money. I'm like, you don't understand what value means then. You right. have no idea what value means. You cannot pay me like, everything that I've experienced. And when I wrap it into a course, or I wrap it into a module or whatever, like that's priceless. That to me is priceless. And when I get to hear my coaches experiences, and they literally take me on a quantum leap, that would have taken me as long as it took them probably would have taken me and I get that and a few months to a year, that's priceless. Mm-hmm. And, and it goes back again into just understanding because that same person, I can almost guarantee is the same person that sees the value in um, higher education. And I'm not, not higher education as far as just being a master's student, higher education as the institution of what yeah. colleges and universities are. And I, I, I went to a, you know, I went to a chain university. I love my university, love my alma mater. So I'm not talking down on going right. to, you know, to going to school for higher education, but it's the understanding of why are you going there? Because I'm not going to go there and then also say, getting a coach is a waste of money because essentially, paying that tuition you were paying for access to coaches at the end of the day our professors and teachers are supposed to be coaches they're supposed to be coach like right they're supposed to give you the content ask you the questions motivate you to you know get the work done do the work be consistent in the work so you're investing in the coach when you invest in the higher education whether you see it that way or not and you know just hearing you as far as the difference of you know you know how you coach and your style of coaching I, i definitely can see how you know identifying yourself as a life coach can really water down the true value that you bring to a lot of your clients. And uh, just in general of just what people understand a life coach to be, I think that you will really thrive as far as, you know, um, being a blind spot coach. And, And that's what I like to consider myself. And I was introduced to what a blind spot coach was for the first time, maybe eight, 10 months ago uh, from one of my coaches and my, my mentors, he had brought it up to me and introduced me to the term. It's pretty much just like you're in the passenger seat, right? Your, your, your students, your clients, your mentees are in the driver's seat. And when you're driving, you're focusing on what's ahead. You can't always see what's in your blind spot. And so as the passenger, you're that person that can see all. You're the person that can foresee what they can't see on the side in that blind spot. And you can ask them the questions or, or you know, 
identify and point out the things that they need. So I just wanted to throw that out there, you know, because once I understood that, it just also helped me internalize my purpose of helping others as well. And, you know, I, I just, again, like to go against the grain when, you know, grouping myself and identifying myself as what other, like what most of everybody over here saying life coach, and then you have over here blind spot coach, which I think you are definitely thriving as you already are with just coaching and development in general. So I'm switching gears a, a little bit, Bonnie. Uh, what are three essentials, right? And, and I love giving my, my, my millionaires list uh, and action steps. But for you and your experiences, because we are talking about making room for your own success and, and unbagging, um, unbagging that, 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 that baggage that we have and that we come with and unpacking all that. So what are three essentials that have helped you make room for success in something new, right? When you went into a new space or newer environment in a, just a new focus, what are some three things that you put focus on to help you make room for that mentally and, you know, physically and just spiritually? Three essentials. Um, number one, the mindset routine. And there's mm-hmm. no one size fits all for mindset routines. You're either going to need to have a coach or a mentor or someone who can see the blind spot that tells you what you need to work on. Uh, but that was a non-negotiable for me. And it still is. Um, something that is new for me that I'm trying to teach and bring to the light more is learning to balance your masculine and feminine energy. We hear a lot about toxic masculinity. And as a mom of boys, that makes me so sad because I'm like, females can be toxic too. And to make that real short, sweet, and simple, um, masculine energy, the the divine masculine energy, the way that God created you guys is powerful. Mm-hmm. It's leadership. It's confidence. It is, it is like, it's beautiful. It is, it attracts, it brings women and it brings opportunities to you because of you operating the way that you were. And when it gets toxic is when you start to abuse that. Same thing with females. Our mm-hmm. divine feminine energy is to be nurturing. Our divine feminine energy is to attract because whether we're beautiful or not, our energy makes men want to give us stuff, do stuff for us. Like, and God created us, it was a perfect balance. But mm-hmm. when females get too entitled and like they should just have stuff just because now we're now it's toxic. And so what I help women with is getting out of their too much feminine energy where, oh, I don't have the motivation and oh, I wish things could just be hard. Toxic femininity looks to me like victim mindset and not enough masculine energy. Too much masculine energy looks like I'm just taking stuff and and I don't like, and I don't want to, you know, pay attention to my soul or do like connect with, you know, spirituality. That's, that's, you know, whatever. But when those two come together, like yin and yang, it is beautiful. And for me, I had no masculine energy when I started my business. I had no grit. I just was like, okay, I posted on social media. I hope somebody reaches out to me. Oh man, nobody's reaching out to me. So I'm like heavily like in my pity party. But hiring so many different mentors really helped me step into my masculine and not be so abrasive, but be firm, but then also be gentle. And when those two came together, like it made marketing so much easier. So learn to balance your energies, like it's Mm -hmm. your job. And again, I'm sorry, like get a coach, get a mentor, get a community. Like you're not gonna be able to do this on your own. There's like, why would you do that to yourself? Why would you cut off all those resources? Mm Mm-hmm. Right. Why the big that I think that's the probably the the biggest question to ask yourself is why would you cut off resources? And I think naturally we we society again and social media might be the 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 biggest proponent to this, but we are 
quick to burn bridges. It's like <laughs> when people do us wrong, we don't just burn that bridge with that person, but we burn that bridge with people like that person and, and communities that person may belong to and all types of things that are that slightly remind us of that person because we feel a little bit bitter and we felt a little bit salty or we just quite frankly didn't understand what that person meant or what the person's intentions were on how they hurt us or whatever the case may be right but the point is we naturally like to burn bridges and yeah. and, and and just go about things by ourselves or i'm going back to doing things for me and focusing on me only and we say these things all the time people venting on twitter you see it all the time people venting on twitter facebook and it's just, again, a victim mindset. It's like we want to be victim, victimized by what happened instead of just looking at what happened as a learning lesson, another door that opened, to essentially. Um, so how are you able, um, Bonnie, how are you able to just build such a connection uh, with people that you're able to move them to such positive change when, when, they, when they come to you for, for help in any aspect of their life that they're coming to you for? Transparency and vulnerability. Mm. When, I was, when I was in leadership at church, um, everybody there for the most part had a pretty clean past or they didn't want to talk about it. Like they were, it wasn't like, an, it was almost like they were embarrassed. I was like, God saved you from that. Why are you embarrassed? And so I, when I came, like I literally used to wear my grills to church as a youth leader and the kids would be like, yo, she has grills. And then I'm able to talk with them now. And now they're like, yo, Bonds is cool. Every kid wanted to be like, every kid wanted to be one of my students because I didn't come off as Mary Poppins or whatever. I came off as like, yo, I've done what you've done. And then some kid, like I get it. Um, and just mm. being relatable. And with social media, before I even knew the power of my story or how to communicate it, I just used to go live and just talk and just do motivational speeches on my, on my Instagram. And I would have clients that would message me like, Hey, I've been following you for, I don't know how long. And I'm like, you have, you never like anything. You never comment anything. I don't even know you're there. And she's like, well, I didn't say that, but like, I'd have so many people reach out to me like, yo, I've been following you and watching you. And I think that you're the coach to help me. And if all I did was just post pictures and write a long ass caption, if all I did was make trending reels that wouldn't happen. But I get on there and I, I speak from the heart, I speak my experiences, and I don't try to act. I feel like as leaders or as coaches, you need to be able to come down the ladder just enough to help them up because it's a ladder. You can't physically like get down there with them. You need to be able to get down further enough where you can pull them up with you. But if you come off as I'm this guru and I'm so far removed from you and I'm going to give you the only steps to get here, it's kind of starting with telling them there's something wrong with them. And that may work for some people, but with the women who connect with my story, I, I can't start with disempowerment. I tried that for a little bit in marketing and it didn't bring in the best people. It, it mm. brought in people that were dependent on me for their development versus here are the tools, now use them. They were just mm. so, so being vulnerable and being transparent allows people to connect with you. You don't have to be perfect, especially not when you're just starting. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Vulnerability, transparency are two things that, I think those are just two core values in general that most people should adopt, especially when before getting into business, because getting into business, we try to hide a lot of things. Like we have this green screen and he's like, yeah, I started this business yesterday, but it got everything you need. Like it's perfect. Right. Yeah. But being transparent. And, you know, I remember when I first um, started hiring virtual assistants and, you know, what helped me was just being transparent with them. Like, 
this is you're my this is my first time hiring a virtual assistant we're figuring this thing out together things are not going to be perfect but i am relying on you just as much as you need me for an opportunity i'm relying on you to tell me how things can be better because this is our first tango and that just kind of how we need to treat a lot of things and if we're just honest and we're transparent about you know what we're going through how we're operating our business what our goals are uh, again, goals is a trick, is a sticky subject because again, right? People don't want to share their goals. We feel like people are going to take our ideas or try to beat us to the punchline. Did you wait? Did you um? Yeah, I was say, did you ever face um those uh that that dilemma? And if so, like, how are you able to now feel more comfortable? I guess that's a better question. How are you able to feel more comfortable with just like sharing with people your goals and the things that you want to accomplish for yourself without feeling like I'm oversharing or I'm, I'm somebody's going to try and beat me to the punch. So I love that. I'm going to lead with that last question and work my way back. Someone's going to beat mm-hmm. me to the punch. I'm releasing a program in a few months called authentically aligned or authentic alignment. And I've asked my viewers and in my story, which one sounds better divine alignment or authentic. And they all voted for authentic. And then one of my friends, who's also a coach, she's really into fitness, but she's very spiritual and woo woo. We're both a bunch of hippies. And um, she's like, oh, that's the name of my program too. And I was like, girl, I am so sorry. She's like, girl, it's like, it's whatever. She's like, you have your audience and I have mine. I'm like, thank you. And <laughs> like, I have, I've been so, my eyes have been open so much. Cause again, I didn't grow up around a lot of strong black females and I didn't feel accepted by other black females for the longest time. And now as a coach in this space, there's so many sis, sis, come hop on this live with me. And I'm just like, oh my God. I love y'all. And we have similar niches. And she's like, I don't care. Say what you're doing. Say what you're doing. And I'm like, I'm here for it. Thank you. Because it helps me now. It helped me understand. First of all, stop being greedy. Like, like if God put you on the path of someone else and you happen to be the one that connected, get out your head. It's not all about you. Like someone needs help. Someone needs that coach. Someone needs that word that your friend has, but you want to ask. I'm going to be transparent. There were times where I didn't want to share stuff from coaches that were more accomplished than me because I was afraid, oh, they're going to go to that person's page and they're going to, they're going to, they're going to like them more than me. And God, oh, I didn't mean to tell a story, but God did, God did this really cool thing for me last December. I knew that I was going to stop doing full-time fitness coaching and I have an app, a fitness app now, and that's what I'm doing. So I can do more volume, less one-on-one. And I knew that I was going to stop taking one-on-one life coaching clients. That's the bulk of my income. Okay. That is the bulk of my income. And I'm a single mom, but I was like, it's time. You got to start creating courses because you're running out of hours in the day. Mm-hmm. And I knew that I wanted to teach women how to manifest, but I didn't want to market myself as a manifestation coach. Cause there's so much that goes into it. And there's a, a big company that lots of people may or may not know. And I sent her podcast to one of my clients because it was so good. And she wrote back, does it get any better than these white girls talking about how they discovered poor people or something? And I remember hearing that and feeling really like kind of frustrated with my client. Like this is a woman sharing her story. Can you not look past like her color for a second? Can you get the wisdom? As a coach, I'm like, can you just get the wisdom? And she Mm -hmm. didn't. And it made me mad. But then God was like, do you understand now? Do you see what's happening? The same way at church, you were able to connect with kids because you were like them. She can't connect with that white lady because her story doesn't connect, but yours does. You better go out there and show people how to manifest. And in that moment, I was like, 
I can share all her stuff all I want to because my clients, my people are going to resonate with me. That's just going to add to the belief. I feel like me and so many other, the women that are in this space doing this, like God sent us to awaken the consciousness of the collective. And I can't do it on my own. Me doing that, me thinking I'm the only person that's selfish, that's egotistical. And I just, I can't stress how selfish that is. But when I show them like, look, there's another woman who's before me, who's further along than me. And she's saying all the things I'm saying, do you get it? It's real. Do you understand? I feel like it's it's creating a community. It's reinforcing these new beliefs. So when you look at it from the abundance mindset, that there's always going to be enough clients, that there's always going to be enough money. I don't have to try to like bottleneck all of my viewers. Oh, no, no, no. Only listen to it when I say it or, you know, stuff like that. Um, mm -hmm. So that was really cool to see like, God reminded me that lesson. He's like, you know, in church, you used to be so worried that you weren't a squeaky clean Christian and you weren't as holy as other people, but I used you and it was phenomenal. Do you understand I'm doing that now? And I'm like, yes, I, I get it now. Sorry. Yeah. And, and it's because of, it's like you tapped into, and you mentioned this earlier on too, is like understanding who you are first. And it's really, it's, it's really, really, really hard. I don't want to say impossible. So I want to emphasize the really hard to to start a business to start a brand without knowing who you are first and that's why i would never talk bad about you know going to school you know getting jobs you know even as an entrepreneur i feel like all those things are necessary because they're opportunities for you to learn who you are right yeah. it's like practice like you got to get on the court and practice before you uh, before the game starts the game is you stepping out in that faith and like start doing something for yourself right and um and that personality, I want to share a little story that I never, I never shared, um, you know, with anybody publicly. Right. So I had, um, I had hired a coach that was helping me start course, course creation and start, you know, uh, creating these, these, uh, these courses and the name of my program. And I ha have it now, but it's called the side, it's called the side hustle accelerator. And I was at a point where I realized I shouldn't be focusing on this right now. The timing's not right. Let me start backwards, go back, and I'll revisit it when the time is right. And in that time, the the, the coach literally started a, a course called, I'm not going to share the, the name of the course, but it had the acceler the whole accelerator theme in it, uh, even had the accelerator in the name. And I was like, I was butthurt at first. I was a little bit bitter. I was like, man, ain't that something like I shared, they done helped me create it just to, just to steal it. And then I realized, and I had to go back, you know, it's not the same. It's like big whoop. They use the, they use the name, but it's not, they're not even teaching the same thing that I'm teaching. And they, and even if they were body, I, I like, they can't even teach it the way that I'm teaching it because I'm me and I have my own sauce. I have my own swagger. I have my own everything that is about me. And when we talk about these personalities, I really want people to hone on that. Your personality is like your spiritual fingerprint. And there's only one, right? There's only one. You, you, nobody has the same thumbprint as you. And I think that if somebody does, it's like, it's like what, a 0.001% chance that somebody shares one fingerprint. In you. But at the end of the day, no one shares the same fingerprint with you. And it's the same with your personality. We have may have personalities that match and align with others, but you are you. And so that's why it's super important to figure out who you are before going into business. Because if you don't, you're going to find yourself trying to copy and duplicate what other people are doing and quitting on it because it didn't work for you and all kinds of stuff. And, and I, and I see, I see you going through the emotions. I tell me what you're thinking about that. Un un unpack that for us. So I, after like getting successful in my fitness coaching business, a lot of other 
fitness business mentors hired me to come in as the mindset coach and help them coach their new coaches. And Mm -hmm. I would see so many of them give up very quickly, or they would do like, there was one girl, love her to death, but she would literally copy, maybe change the name, like verbatim, the copy and the posts that like other clients would write. She really just had no idea who she was. And if there's one thing that I've learned about social media and what you're putting out there, like I could go copy, I could go to the page of the lady, you know, the, the manifestation coach and do every single thing that she does. And it still not pop because that is her story. I think that was the biggest revelation that God told me. He's like, cause I was, I was like, man, well, I haven't really manifested big things like her. And and then he had to remind me, like, look at everything that you've already done for a lot of women. You have come a long way. So your story will resonate, but when you're trying to be a carbon copy of somebody else, that's why, like, if if you're, if you're listening to this and you're a content creator and you're wondering why your content's not hitting, you're either not being vulnerable enough and you're just trying to be cookie cutter, um, or you're, you're literally trying to copy someone else's sauce. Like you said, like, it's, it's not going to be the same thing. Um, that creation does come. One of my favorite things that I heard, I think it was from Gary V and my coach stole it and said it, but it was document, not create. And that's very hard in the beginning. Cause you think that you want yourself to look perfect. Like you said, like nobody's buying it when you first start your business and your social media feed is perfect. Like I, for those of you that have really beautiful, aesthetically pleasing feeds, I love that for you. And that took a lot of time. And I think that that's awesome. But for me, um, I think it connects more with people when I'm documenting my day. Some of the things that have gone the most viral were me just walking with my camera and talking and just saying something or me sharing, I just had a meltdown or I just cried my way through my workout because my mentor told me a new ass and I had to face pieces of me that I thought I had healed from and I didn't. And so now I'm dealing with it. That's the stuff that hits. But this whole, like, I'm gonna try to... Uh, make a reel that looks just like one that went viral, not not like a viral reel, but you know, something from a Mm -hmm. big brand. I'm just going to try to do my own version of that. It might get some views, but you're not going to get loyal people who know, like, and trust you. They're knowing like- yeah, I'm like, this is, that's, that's not going to hit, but it just, it breaks my heart when I see people being so afraid to, to be who they are. And I can see them because I'd be their coach blind spot. And I was like, dude, you're really good at this. Why don't you talk about that? Or, Hey, you have kids. Why don't you ever post about your kids on your feed? You say you want to coach moms, show them your mom life, show them what it looks like to get up early um, and still do your morning routine, still do your exercise, get your kids to school and work your job because they need to see that. But you're over here trying to just show them one side of you. And now they're not connected because you look just like every other fitness coach's feed. Look at my workouts. Look at this. Look at this. Sometimes people just want to know who you are. So shake up your feed every now and then. Everything doesn't have to be business. And that goes against what a lot of business coaches told me. They're like, take all that mom stuff out of your bio. I just put back almost everything that coaches have told me to take out of my bio because the market is getting more sophisticated. They are, so everyone is a coach now. Everyone is this now. And so in order for me to be stand out, I'm with you on that. In order for me to stand out, I need to let them know who I am. And let you come along for the journey and see what I've done and what I'm doing. And if it resonates with you, guess what? I have courses that teach you how I did it. But it, the, all this buy my this, buy my that, like that's, it's getting old. Like we're getting a little bit more sophisticated and we want people. That's why small businesses and entrepreneurships are thriving because we're sick of corporate. We're sick of, you know, just this impersonable, is that the word I want to use? Yeah. Impersonal yeah, experience impers- all together. Yeah, like we want something personalized. We want to feel a part of something. And when we can come into your stories and see your day, how you get up and what you do, 
when we can see on the weekends, yeah, you're, you know, entrepreneur life, but this is me and my kids out like that hits so much harder than trying to be the perfect person. And that's what I learned my first year online as a fitness coach. I kept trying to make cute, perfect workouts that hid my C-section little, little thingy that some of our mom bellies have kept trying to put this version of me that was like on. And it's like, that's not me. When I started just like, Hey, this is, I, yeah, I'm a coach and this is what my body looks like, but this is who, just being myself. People are like, I fucks with her. And that will always happen. Absolutely. And it brings me back to, I was um, listening to a podcast that was the, they were sharing like F a script, right? We keep like, and all of this is basically like scripting things, right? Like the aesthetically, like trying to focus on the aesthetically pleasing wall. And again, if you put the time into it, that's good for you. But again, I'm, I'm with you, Bonnie. I'm starting to sway more towards, just the rawness of my content. And I'm starting to get a lot more uh, stickier, you know, people who are, you know, liking consistently the post, right? And commenting consistently and engaging consistently with me because, you know, I'm finding my niche and I'm finding what works for me, but I'm not scripting it either. I'm like really learning how to just record and to just talk about what's going on, right? And I'm not trying to write it out beforehand. I'm not trying to practice it if I messed up, like I'm known to like, when I get really passionate about stuff, start stuttering. And I'll, I don't care it anymore. I'll leave the stutter in the video. Like yes. I'll cut it up a little bit, but I'll leave the stutter in the video because I want you to know, like I'm recording this raw. Like this is not scripted. This is, this is the truth. This is vulnerable and it's transparent. And, and those are the two biggest words that you shared um, today that I really want to hone in on just vulnerability and transparency and transparency can be a little bit uh, transparency is vulnerability, right? Because to be transparent, you have to be a little bit vulnerable. You have to show what you're going through. You have to show your flaws and things like that. So um, what helps you the most, especially if you're new getting started in this space, um, you know, as an entrepreneur, what can help people the most for just letting go and be, and just start that route of being more transparent and vulnerable? you mentioned that how difficult it would be to start a brand when you don't know yourself. And I can attest to that. It was hell the first year or two because I didn't know who I wanted to come off as and what has helped me the most. And I wish that I had known this in the beginning. That's why the first two coaches didn't work for me. The third coach did because she did this with me and she didn't have to. Mm. She did a lot of inner work with me and a lot of shadow work, inner childhood healing and shadow work. um, It's not fun. But I guarantee you the content that you will produce as you start to pull back the layers of the pain, the hurt, the trauma, understanding how you became who you are, when you put that out there into the world, that's when you resonate. And I keep using fitness coaches as an example because that's who I am, but workouts are cool, but they don't resonate. When I talk about the healing journeys that I'm going through and what I went through, and, and I'm transparent and I talk about that. That's when I got the most clients. My business is always booming when I'm, when I'm Bonnie, when I get into like super productivity over not even productivity. Um, there's a word that I, when I get super into grind mode and I'm just putting out real after real, or when I'm not being authentic, when I'm not being authentic, it doesn't hit. It may help my, uh, what's the word, the algorithm, you know, oh, I'm getting more posts out and more likes, but likes don't equal dollar signs. I wish I knew that in the beginning. Follows don't equal dollar signs. And so I realized that the inner, like if you don't, if you guys aren't familiar with shadow work, shadow work is the version of you that you have pretended does not exist. 
It is every horrible aspect of your personality that got locked away in one of the castle rooms and you're embarrassed by it and you don't want to talk about it. Well, guess what? That's still very much a piece of you. And so when you were leaving a piece of you behind, that's where the resistance comes from. That's why you have a fear of success. That's why you're not attracting the kind of things that you want to attract because there's a piece of you that is like not ready for those things. And it oozes out at the very worst times. So you can put all those fake pictures up. You can put this facade up all you want to, but your shadow, if you have not addressed those at those pieces of you, they will, they will, they will seep through the pores and it's not pretty when it happens. So if you want to maybe skip past that dead in the middle of your business, because right now I've had to slow down because I realized, whoa, there's a whole lot of healing that still hasn't happened. And right now what I'm putting out is not authentic because it's coming from a place of oozing hurt bubbling out. Let me, let me, let me heal her instead of just putting a bandaid over it and blocking it out and just grind hustle harder. No, let me go heal that, that aspect of me. But Inner work, inner childhood healing and shadow work, I think is something that every entrepreneur, uh, especially a service-based entrepreneur, maybe not so much products, because I mean, you're just putting your product, I guess. I don't, I'm not sure how that works because I'm service-based. But for me, like I cannot provide the level of service to my clients and to my audience if I'm not in a good headspace and if I'm still, you know, if I'm just all over the place. That stuff helped me. Inner childhood healing helped me understand why I couldn't accept large amounts of money. Shadow work helped me understand why I got so nervous around rich people. Um, growing up, you know, not with a lot of money or being made fun of and whatnot. And those are areas in my life that I was like, oh, that's the past. Just leave it behind. Nah, man, you gotta, you know, let that little kid know, hey, it's okay to be successful. I promise you it's safe here. Hey, it's okay to be around rich people. You're gonna be one of them and it's gonna be okay. But there are so many layers to you that you can't just shut behind closed doors and pretend they never happened. They will ooze out at the most inconvenient times. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and, and touching on that authenticity piece that you spoke on, um, how, how are people able to, or how are you able to rem- like keep that authenticity while still adding call to actions in some of your content, right? Because call to actions naturally can, if we're not careful, come off as, sleazy cheesy sales not the not the conversational um consultative sales right how are you able to add call to actions you know in your content while still maintaining that authenticity from so if you are someone and i have to coach some of my 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 assistant coaches on this too because i'll see some of their posts i'm like oh that was that was a bit much (laughs) boo-boo there's a thin line (laughs) vulnerability authenticity and making yourself at the same level as them and so I will share the things that I have overcome because it's proof it's social proof that I've overcome it and this is how would you like to learn how when you're openly bleeding about a specific topic and then at the end like like if I were to be like, yeah, I just hit negatives in my bank, but let me come be your mindset coach. I've got this. Like I would know. Like they were like, oh, yeah, you know, what? They're like, she's gonna teach me what? How to end up in negatives? Yeah, no, I'm good. Or if I was a relationship coach, and not saying that relationships need to be like, I would never market myself as a relationship coach. I haven't had a successful relationship. I've had a lot of broken because I was still very broken and wasn't healed and was just getting into relationships and you know. So mm-hmm. I think. 
again, the ladder analogy, like you need to come down and be relatable enough to where you can, you know, give them, pull them up. But like, if you're at the same, if you're, when it comes to coaching, you don't need to be light years ahead of people. You simply just need to be a few steps ahead of them. And you also need to keep growing so that you're always growing. But if you get to the point where you're like, oh, okay, well, I've achieved this much. I don't need to do anymore. Like people, those that you're trying to coach, mentor, influence, they're going to surpass you. So continuing to learn and continuing to grow and to continue to evolve and share what you've overcome and showing them that you can do it and you have a system for it. I think that makes the call to action so much more authentic versus like I've had some, I see coaches on their feeds and, and the way they're selling their programs. I'm like, I didn't connect with you anywhere in there. Um, also don't sell the airplane, sell the destination. I see a lot of that, like, oh, you're going to have eight weeks of this. You're going to have 10 weeks of that. We're going to do this. Wanna, nobody wants to hear that. They want to hear the outcome. What are you going to help them achieve at the end of it? And so that's also a huge component of it is, is, is me knowing who I'm talking to and knowing what that woman wants. And right now, all of my audience, because I do a lot of market research, they all just want to be happy. They just want to have fulfilled lives. And I'm like, so then I make them break down what does happy mean? And then I'll use some of that in my copy. What does happy mean to you? Okay, more relaxation. I'm like, that's it? Okay. So if I'm writing copy, hey, you know, my one-on-one -on -one coaching program is going to help you um, have the happy life that you want, where you can have relaxing, day, whatever it is, like put that in there. If you haven't done market research, you should do that because you'll just be talking to random people and your content won't land. But if you actually ask people, and there's nothing wrong with it. I think people are scared of it. But I used to, do, I started doing that whenever I release a new program. I'm like, hey, I'm, I'm releasing an, a new program for entrepreneurs who are stuck in their head. I literally did this and I was like, what, what, and I, and I want to, not just entrepreneurs, but people, I think I asked the question, I was like, what would you call a badass woman who works hard, wants more for herself? What's the verbiage you guys would use? And I took their verbiage and used it in my copy after that. I would just ask my people on Facebook. I would also offer something in return sometimes like a free consultation, but I would come down very humble. Like, Hey guys, I'm creating a new program. I want to know what resonates with you guys. If this fits you, if I just described you, how would you, what would you say you are or what would resonate with you? And that has helped tremendously. And I think some people are afraid to do that. You think that you're supposed to have it all figured out, but me doing that made people like it made me more relatable to them. 1000% mm -hmm. in that market research. Uh, it, it wouldn't be accomplishable without that market research, like you share. And um, I actually was just talking about this the other day of just kind of like the necessity, the necessity of doing that market research, because if, if you don't, if you didn't do that, you probably would have just been talking to a brick wall the next mm -hmm. time you had a product that you wanted to sell or a service that you wanted to to put out there. You just talking to people that are not resonating with it because you didn't take the time to see what they liked anyway. And if you don't do that market research and you don't get the data, it's like, again, going back to what, what, what we were speaking about. You don't have a product to sell without first knowing that you have the audience that's buying it. It's like, there's no point in trying to create this product to sell if your audience that you already have isn't the audience that will buy that product. <laughs> right. Like if I were to write a, I, I learned that the hard way. I learned that I, as far as fitness is concerned, because of my, and I love my body. I think it's great. Like I've worked on it so hard. Like this is until if I ever decide to get surgery, I'm in the best shape in my life. And 
because I show my body a lot, I attract older women, like in their forties and people who have been very ashamed of their body. And so when they see me out in my bikini, like just, I don't know, like they love that. I didn't know that in the beginning. I was still trying to market to like 20 something year old girls and like 30 something year old women who are still very fixated on picture perfect uh, bodies. And so when I wasn't getting clients that, that really got to my head. Cause again, I was still trying to figure out who I was. And once mm-hmm. I realized, I was like, if you, could you just look at your client roster for one second, Bonnie, they don't want a booty building program. You may, they don't. And I was like, ah, oh, that's why that's not selling. Okay. Mm-hmm. There's yeah. nothing wrong with it. Just switch it up. This and yeah. so, like, again, so some of us create products that is just like, it will require you to start a whole new Instagram account and build a whole new following different from the ones that you already have. And that is exhausting. It is. <laughs> no, no one wants to do that. So, oh man, we, we, we're getting ready to wrap things up, Bonnie. And I just want to give my appreciation for, you know, again, taking time out of your Saturday afternoon to, to join us for this conversation. And as we're, you know, starting to wrap things up before we get into our, our last segment, I do want to switch gears to the rapid fire round where we have five random questions, right? They have nothing to do with what we were just talking about. These are just five random questions brought to you by Poddex. So I got these five random questions. So we're going to read these out. And uh, some advice is just to be brief, be brilliant, but most importantly, have fun with it, right? Okay. Awesome, awesome. So here we go. First one is, what's the funniest name you can think of for a pet? Ralph. I don't know why that name comes (laughs) <laughs> that's i mean i think any human like any human any name, human name. For, any yes. human names for a pet is it, it, it always baffles me when i hear people calling their their cat like garfield <laughs> that is like nah i with you on that one ralph is definitely a weird pet name if everything in your house had to be one color what color would you choose Oh, my kids know purple everything that is in this scene with me right now is already purple these poor kids <laughs> i see it i see it awesome purple is a very uh royal color you know that that's that's that that's that's known so what's the funniest thing you've seen a kid do because kids do say and do the most ridiculous things i have a picture of my son climbing up the pantry and he got stuck and he couldn't get food and there's a picture of him he was like two and he's just on the pantry cap just crying and i and i'm evil so i took pictures of him because i was like what the heck are you doing why did you get up there what are you doing kid Oh, so he climbed it and then got the fear of heights and couldn't get back down. Yeah, I'm like, I'm not getting you down. You got up there. (laughs) (laughs) That's funny. All right. What what celebrity chef would you most like to make you dinner? If you know any celebrity chefs, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I had a chef I worked with who opened a Michael Jordan restaurant in Vegas, but he's not famous, but yeah, it'd probably be him. (laughs) Okay. All right. Coolio. Um, What would be the most worst movie sequel? that would ever be made or ever made what's the worst movie sequel ever made don't get mad at me guys but anything from dc oh my god so sorry i'm like it just it needs to stop with the first one every time i think i agree with you on that one and when it when and just when it comes to movies for me i'm not really a dc guy i'm more so marvel when it comes to movies dc okay with the shows yeah, but like oh, yeah. after after like Batman, I'm not really a, too much of a fan of DC movies. So I think we share that sentiment. And the millionaires that disagree, I'm sorry that you had to hear that. But I'm blast. I'm I'm blasting DC to make better movies. 
<laughs> awesome. Well, that wraps up. That wraps up our rapid fire body. And um, as we move on to our last segment, uh, segment, we, we got we got some closing questions for you. And this one, I just want to you know give you the floor and the space to give us a blue pill, red pill scenario. Right? If you could give us something, you know, a, a scenario, whether it's you know do this and you take the blue pill, or do that and you take the red pill. What does that look like? What would you? What what options do we have? Okay, so red pill you never get to meet the love of your life but you have the most fulfilling life hmm. Ooh, what did I, what color did i say that one was that was red pill <laughs> that was red okay blue pill oh you have you have the love of your life but you are still always searching for your purpose mm. that's a that's a lot to unpack. I'm that's gonna a leave pull, it at that. <laughs> yeah, that's a lot to unpack. So red pill again is you don't have the love of your life, but you have everything else that you want. You're still fulfilled, like money, purpose, passion, but you don't yeah. have the love of your life. Then blue pill is you have the love of your life, but you don't have a purpose. You don't know who you are or what you truly want. Hmm. That's tricky. So I can't wait to hear what our millionaires are thinking, which pill they will take. So I'm going to put this in the Facebook mastermind. So if you are not already on the Facebook mastermind millionaires, go ahead, go on Facebook, type in the million dollar mastermind, and you'll be able to join the group. It's a public group, you know, vote on the um, vote on the polls. I even put up on the Twitter community for those who are following us on Twitter, but let us know which pill you're taking red pill or the blue pill. That was a great one, Bonnie. Um, and now for this one, I want you to just imagine walking down the street and you see the resemblance of 18 year old Bonnie. What would be the advice you would give to yourself, um, to your 18 year old self? Girl, it's about to be rough, but in the, one of my favorite scriptures, Joel, I think somewhere in Joel, it says he'll restore the years the lotus is eaten. So I would let her know it's about to be a rough ride. I know it's already been a rough ride, but another 13 years of the nonsense and then it's going to be uphill from there just hang on though mm, that's great advice that's that's amazing advice enjoy the ride enjoy the process right the ups and the downs i think we all could benefit from that advice bonnie it's been a pleasure having you i'm super excited to you know just get the engagement from our millionaires that really relate and and resonate with this episode and you dropped a lot of nuggets a lot of gems and I, I would love to have you back for a part two so we could really dive into some of the things that I, I feel like we we just kind of like talked about and we just we just scratched the surface. So if we could have an, a part two where we go in deeper. That would be amazing. I, I can't wait to have you back. And now I want to give you the space to more so share, you know, some things that you're excited about. I know you have a book that you're in the process of writing and coming up with. Uh, you have your programs, you know, what, what, what are some things that are coming up that you're excited to share with us? Any special projects where we can find you now is the, the space for you to share. Okay. So as I mentioned in, I want to say early summer, I'm going to be relaunching a group coaching program called Authentic Alignment. And in that program, we are going to go heavy into your mindset and your limiting beliefs. And I'm going to give you all of the tools that I use to rewire my mindset for success in a very deep level. We're going to do some inner child work. We're going to do shadow work if you didn't catch that. And, and then we also do a lot of spirituality. We're going to talk about masculine and feminine energy. We're going to talk about 
about balancing your chakras. We're going to talk about um, human design. And if you've never heard of that, that is a whole rabbit hole in itself. Uh, but we'll teach you how to use human design in your business and in your entrepreneurial journey. And then in the end of that course, I teach you how to manifest your business. Yes, you need a business plan, but I teach you how to start attracting the things you need for that. I did that course earlier this year. And one of my clients manifested a $23,000 scholarship like four weeks into the program. And when she started, she did not believe in manifestation. She did not believe in anything. So this is the program for someone who's looking for how to get into alignment so that they can start attracting everything that they were put on this earth to do. Super excited about that. The wait list is going up next Friday. Um, in the meantime, I have created several mini courses, one on self-love and healing and undoing the conditioning that has been put on us. This is for females, just to be transparent. Um, it's going to teach you a lot about boundaries with your time, with your energy, how not to settle, how to balance your masculinity with your grace, that sort of thing. And for those that are looking, who've never created a vision board, who've never understood the connection between your mind, body, and your soul, I have a three-day mini course called Exponential Abundance. And I teach you how to very quickly get your mind in the right space, how to very quickly align yourself spiritually and how you can literally manifest things, create that vision board. I give you lots of different tools for how you can do that. Um, for those that are in the fitness space, and you are, you know, excited about getting into shape. I have several different fitness programs as well that are self-paced, but you get to come into my coaching community and my Facebook group, no matter what program you get, you're opened up to that. And I've got self-love coaches in there. I've got life coaches. I have creativity coaches and you have me as well, a fitness and a life coach. So it is a, it's like an incubator for women for personal development. So if you are looking for me, I'm on Instagram at Coach Bonds. That's Coach B O N S. Um, the fitness page is Boss Bod Academy, one word. And we think, what else we got going on? I think I've already touched on the courses coming up. Yeah. So that's what we got going on right now. Awesome. Awesome. I, I love to hear it. I love to hear it. And again, Bonnie, I just want to say thank you for just being you, being yourself, being authentic and unapologetically you. Uh, for, you know, sharing that, those, those vulnerable moments, um, you know, just being with us and, and being 100% with us. I, I felt your energy and I'm sure our millionaires felt your energy as well. And as always, I want to give that thanks to our millionaires that are tuning in. I'm super thankful to have you all a part of the show as well, you know, week in, week out. So I want to thank you in advance for becoming the change agents that you're bound to become, especially if you apply some of the principles, uh, principles that Bonnie shared with us today. Um, now, if you really resonated with today's episode, don't hesitate. I want you to stop what you're doing. Go on Instagram, connect with Coach Bonds, uh, and make sure that you tap in with her and, and, you know, really be openly, you know, honest about what it is that you need and just seeing the opportunity if Bonnie can help you get there because I definitely see with your authentic, uh, authenticity, Bonnie, that you're, you're, you're pushing people in the right direction in where they need to be. And speaking of community, if we, if there's any like sponsor code or, you know, something that we could, you know, really push our millionaires that are tuning into this uh, to be a part of that community, what, what, what would that look like? The, which community? I have uh, the, sorry. No, I have a face. No, no, you're good. So I have a Facebook group. Again, it's just for women, but it's called boss up lifestyle. 
And it started off as my free fitness group where I would just give tips. And the more women I found, I was like, you don't need fitness help. You need this help, sis. And so now it's just a creative, it's all of that. It's fitness, it's nutrition, it's mindset, and a lot of entrepreneurs. And I go live in there to record my podcast once a week on Thursdays. So if you, like you said, if you like what you heard or you like how I teach or how I communicate, my podcast is called The Boss Life with Bonds. And I shared my journey of being, you know, flat broke <laughs> in my business to, to manifesting uh, five-figure months, the apartment of my dreams, my dream car, and just everything that I set out to do. So it's a pretty dope podcast. That's not just for ladies, by the way. Awesome. Awesome. Well, there, there's the community right there. So it, it's been a, it's been a blessing and a pleasure to have you a part of the show, uh, Bonnie. And uh, again, for you all that are tuning in, I'm your guy, Kai Speaks. You just heard it from Coach Bonds on making room for success, but also just learning more about yourself, being one with yourself before, you know, diving into something new in general is what we were talking about. Uh, so just remember to keep focus, build momentum and drive results so you can live abundantly. Peace. Mm-hmm.